Great job. Give it up for Lauren. Yay, Lauren. She's always trying to get out of that little segment. And I was like, Lauren, do your thing, girl. Like, just do it. Go crush that moment. She's so good at it. Hey, one quick uh, addendum to the last announcement that she gave. Whenever we go up as Midtown to the North Campus on the first Wednesday of the month, number one, I would say if you can get there a few minutes before 630, it would be great because seats do fill up pretty quickly. And we typically try to occupy Section 11. So this is where Midtown, like the middle of Section 11, and it's just growing. So there was a time where we just reserved one aisle, and now we're having to reserve three. And so the more of you who come, just help us come and reserve aisles so that Midtown can just occupy Section 11. Hope you guys can make it this Wednesday. Those of you who are a part of Midtown Essentials, we will still have class here at the Midtown campus and uh, I'll be on point to teach as well as Jonathan, and uh, we'll just dig in deeper to what God has for us. All of the men who are in the house who showed up yesterday, guys, I'm still digesting like five helpings of gravy, like 30 biscuits, smoked bacon. Whose idea was it to smoke bacon? Because that was called the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That's called the spirit of wisdom and revelation, and I want to be your friend. I just want to hang around you and say, what do you think we should do? Just smoke it. Just whatever it is. Just cheesecake, yes, smoke it. Sweet, let's do it. Like, whatever it is, just, there it is, man. Just drop some smoke on it, and it will be good to go. Guys, that was amazing. I rolled into this room. I don't know. We had like 15 round tables. 80 men showed up, and it was outstanding. And uh, I just want to say thank you guys for showing up, for connecting with one another, for pressing into the Lord, for pursuing healing and health. Uh, with one another. It was, it was so beautiful. And in fact, every first Wednesday of the month, we also have a special time of prayer, 6.15 in the morning here, Wednesday, first Wednesday of the month. We usually have about 30 or 40 guys that get together. I'd love for every man in this house to come join us at 6.15. We dig in. We have like five minutes of connection. We jump into the word and then we pray hard. We pray for our families. We pray for our church. We pray for the season that we're in. If there are things that are happening nationally or globally, we pray for those. We are raising up a praying house. So all of the men in the house, I invite you, if you can, I realize some of your work schedules prevent you from being a part of that, but if you can, we'd love to have you here and we'd love to pray together. Amen. All right, will you help me welcome all the overflow? We've got about 25 people that are in overflow right now. And man, we love you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for showing up late. So now you have to be in the overflow. I had somebody roll up to me in the front and they said, listen, I'm like, we're here 10 minutes early and 10 minutes early is 10 minutes late now. And they're just like, that's just where we're at. And yeah, that's where we're at. So anyways, we love you guys in the overflow, all of you guys who are joining us online. If you're here with us today for the very first time, we love you and we welcome you. Thanks so much for joining us here today at New Life Midtown. My name is Jay Duncan, my wife of 21 years, my partner in ministry. Our four kids are somewhere in this building. And uh, it is such an incredible delight and joy to minister to you. We have been here in the same church in this city for 19 years. And the Lord has just captured our heart for Colorado Springs, for this region. He's captured our heart with this people. In fact, last night, one of my little memories popped up on Facebook. Um, five years ago yesterday, so this weekend would be a Cornerstone weekend. Five years ago yesterday, we left CSCS. So Christy and I, we assumed leadership, the senior level leadership of, at that time, Freedom Church. And um, we were kind of thrust into that position literally overnight. And very quickly, we moved to a setup and teardown situation. We met at CSCS for eight years. And by the way, how many of you were with us at CSCS and helped us? Oh, my gosh. Wow, you guys. Man, I was thinking about you this morning. I was reflecting. I got, I got pretty emotional. Uh, go figure, right? Uh, I got a little tender thinking about that season thinking about pushing all those benches and folding up all those tables and our worship team getting there at 6.30 or 7 in the morning to set up and tear down. And I just feel like the Lord put something deep inside of us. He built something. He built a people that know how to work hard. He built a people that, um, that love one another. He built a people where there's just no pomp and circumstance. There's no showmanship. Like there are so many days where we'd have to roll up our sleeves and vacuum floors and 
and set up chairs and tables. And there's just something so beautiful about that. God builds something deep inside of us. There's a grounding that happens. And with all that being said, I'm just so happy that we don't have to do that anymore. Uh, that being said, there were like 25 guys yesterday that, that stayed after and helped tear down the room and get it back together. And I'm so grateful for all of you who did that. Um, and I just kind of sense that at this five-year mark, there's also, I don't know, there's just, it's like a benchmark. This is a benchmark season. In fact, there's a dear sister who came up to me last week right before service and just gave me a precious word for Christy and me. And it was a sense of like Midtown is stepping into almost like a birthday. It's like we're stepping into a new season. And some of the prophetic past I've come from, everything was a new season. So I, you know, I wasn't leery in that moment, but there have been seasons where I've been jaded with the notion of a new season because everything is a new season, right? But I've really come around to a greater place, I think, of maturity and acceptance and realizing, no, there are seasons in God. And I do sense this, like God is doing something in the earth. He's doing, he's like leaning in. And I don't know why, he's sovereign, but he's doing something in the earth, you guys. He's awakening hearts, he's awakening hunger. He's restoring things that have been lost and broken. And he's doing that on a global level. He's doing that on a large systemic level. But friends, I believe he's also doing that on a personal level. So I would say, dig, like, jump in. Jump in. He's like so close. Whatever it is that you're walking through or needing or struggling with, whatever place in your life where you're needing that touch or move or word from God, he's close. He's uniquely close, I believe, in this season. And I pray for you that he would be uniquely close to you. Things that you've been waiting for and hovering over and believing for and desperate for even, I pray that the Lord would be very, very close to you. So for my sister who gave us that word last week, I just resonate with that. We are, we are in this season of, I want to be careful to use the word transition because I don't believe it's transition, particularly because we've used transition a lot in our journey and a lot of times it's been a negative word. <laughs> we're on the cusp of like acceleration. Like we're on the cusp of acceleration. And the Lord is, he is adding to us. Like for everyone who raised your hand and who have been with us for over a decade, the Lord has seen it fit to entrust into your hands the lives of new people that he's bringing into this family. And he's setting the lonely into families. And he is setting the wanderer into families. Both those who have no affiliation with God at all and those who've had negative affiliations with God, who've been hurt, wounded, betrayed, and broken by the church. I feel like the Lord is bringing both of those into this house. In fact, this morning as I was just sitting with the Lord, I, I said, Lord, I feel like you're adding people into the house, and I know that there are more coming that have gone through very, very difficult seasons with the church. And I said, God, why are you doing that? And he very simply said, because I trust you guys. And then the fear of the Lord just settled in. And it's not that he trusts me, it's he trusts us. Because this is an assignment that he is placing on us. To be tender, to be humble, to be broken, to be gracious, to be people that don't sit back and wait for new people to engage us. For, be, for us to be people that lean in and pull people in. I want us to be that kind of people. I want us to be a people that just take someone's hand and pull them into the circle. Christy said something to me the other day, and it was so funny. It, it's so true. She said, Jade, there's a junior high boy or a junior high girl in every single one of us, <laughs> right? And what she meant by that is, you guys remember junior high? Just those awkward, crazy junior high years, right? And it's true. There's a junior high boy and girl inside of all of us that in the middle of our awkward phase, we just really want someone to take us and pull us in Make us part of the six chicks. Some, some of y'all caught that, didn't you? I love that. 13 going on 30 for those of you guys that haven't seen that. But we want that. We, we want to belong. And so, friends, let's, let's do that. Let's be a people who help people belong. Amen?
Okay, I have a unique assignment I'm sensing in my spirit this morning. In fact, earlier in the week, I just I felt like the Lord dropped this, and I'll just own it because I want to be careful on how much I blame on God. But I, <laughs> I, I do feel in my spirit that, that, that we're to turn today into a form of a prayer meeting. And so what I want to do is I want to get there quickly. So I'm going to read the Beatitudes again. Guys, I can't, I can't get over the Beatitudes. Like they are messing with me in the very best way. And they're, they're breaking up some fallow ground inside of my heart. And I'm just saying, Lord, more, more. Like I want to orient my heart to be this kind of man. I want to be a man that embodies what the kingdom of God looks like as it's laid out for us very clearly in the Beatitudes. And then after we read that, and we're going to read that because it really is an anchor foundation scripture that the rest of the Sermon Mount is built upon. So whatever you read in the Sermon on the Mount, Jonathan did a masterful, masterful job. Isn't he just one of the best? I'm telling you, he really is one of my favorite worship leaders and one of my favorite teachers. And I just feel sorry for you. You're going to stand before the judgment seat of God, and you're going to be judged so harshly. Because God has given you so many talents. It's just, it's like some had one, some had three, some had five, some had ten. You got to multiply ten talents, man. That's on you. That's between you and God. But the Sermon on the Mount, whatever it is that you read in the Sermon on the Mount, will all be tethered back to those first six to seven verses in the Beatitudes. And we're going to see this before us today because we're going to talk very, very briefly on an eye for an eye and love your enemies. And it's impossible to love your enemies if you're not grounded deeply in blessed are the poor in spirit. Right, Everett? How can we love our enemies if the orientation of blessed are those who grieve and lament and mourn is not deeply formed inside of us? In fact, and I'm going to just ask for your permission and your forgiveness right now. And I know this, I know this is controversial. I know it is. And I don't have the time to like, un, you know, unpack all the nuances of this. But several years ago, there was a concentrated season where it seemed like um, the, the, the police and black community, and I know that this is still going on, but it just seemed like it was heightened, right? In 2020 with Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, uh, George Floyd, we can name lots of names here. And... And there are some ways where I felt like I handled that and stewarded that moment well. There are some ways where I felt like, I just, Lord, I still need wisdom and maturity to know how to lead a people through these real delicate moments in the culture. But my posture very simply was this. Right or wrong, all political spectrums destroyed and cast to the side. God has called the Christian community to be a people who lament with the brokenness of the world. And listen, there is a way, there is a way where we are called to lament with both sides. I can't even imagine trying to be a police officer in this day and age. I just can't imagine. My cousin's a police officer. My father is in the military. Like there's a deep history in my family of those who have given their lives to serve, to protect, to defend and to, to, to put on my clothes and to go out of my front door and to not know if I'm going to walk back in the house every single day and to try to do what's right with the adrenaline pumping through my veins, guys, that's, that's really challenging. So I lament for men and women who are laying down their lives to be good officers of the law. Yeah. And while I hold that in one hand, I also, I want to posture my heart to be a man who laments at broken systems in our world that in their own way propagate a form of injustice and oppression. And I, I, want, I want to posture my heart to be a man who is quick to lament. I want to be quicker to lament than I am to point my finger and assume that I know everything that's going on. In fact, I just I want to lay this in your hands, you guys. I want to play this, place this at your feet. I think when we touch something that is so volatile in the earth, whether it's vaccines or no vaccines or whatever, whatever the issue is, and there's a lot of them in this hour, I want, I want to lay this at your feet. I think the posture of Jesus is less the posture 
of pointing fingers and a spirit of hostility. And I'm, I, you know, I think the posture is, God, let your kingdom come. God, we need your wisdom. Lord, help us to enter into and identify with the pain and the brokenness of, and typically it's, with, it's, it's in every people group that's involved, that's enmeshed. There's brokenness somewhere. Are you hearing me today? Right? So there will come a time, I believe, in these delicate situations where truth will need to be brought into those because there cannot be freedom or government or order or peace without truth. But truth that is not saturated in the Beatitudes is not a truth that heals. So let's take a look at these scriptures. Holy Spirit, come. I'm going to read these. I'm going to pause. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to alight himself upon us. I'm going to give a couple of pastoral thoughts, and then we're going to pray. Beginning in Matthew chapter 5, I'm going to start with verse 3. Jesus said to them, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, who lament, who grieve, who enter into the uncomfortable and awkward space of saying, Lord, we identify with the pain of your heart at the brokenness of the world. For they invite the comfort of the comforter. Verse 5, blessed are the meek. For they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for the justice of God. For the righteousness of God. For they will be filled. Blessed are those who are merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And as we posture ourselves to be merciful as our God is merciful, we then will be shown mercy. For with the same measure that we judge, we will be judged. Blessed are those who are pure in heart, whose hearts are set on seeing God. God, we want that to be us. In fact, Lord, we lay down our motives and our ambitions right now. We, we open up the secret caverns of our hearts, our desire for ambition, for power, for notoriety. Lord, we just, we lay that before you. And we ask, oh God, for the cleansing power of the Holy Spirit and the word of God to come consecrate us today. Because we want to be a people who see you. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, the reconcilers. Those that step into the fray of conflict and chaos in the culture. And bring into those difficult and hostile spaces the peace of the kingdom of God. For they will be called sons and daughters of the Most High. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Skip over with me, if you would, to verse 18. I'm sorry, verse 38. You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. But I tell you, everybody say, but I tell you. Do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you. Do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Verse 43, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, everybody say, I tell you. But I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. That you may be, and here he says it again, that you may be beloved sons and daughters of the Lord, children of God. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? 
And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. It's a real peculiar verse there, isn't it? Because I think the mantra in this day and age is, I'm not perfect. And yet, here is this invitation that there is a place of perfection in God that when we posture our hearts to love those that it would be easy to hate, there's something of the nature and the character of God that's perfected in us, that's deepened inside of us, that the nature of God then can be reflected through our lives in the most common and ordinary and hostile and chaotic moments of life because we've just postured our heart to be like God. In fact, I wrote this in the margin of my Bible years ago. We are most like God when we love those who've wronged us. Think about that. We are most like God when we choose to love and forgive and extend grace and mercy to those who don't deserve it and who have wronged us. That is when we're most like God. But it's also the most difficult It's the most challenging. And so let's pray for grace. Holy Spirit, come help us, we pray. These are hard words. (laughs) I'm reminded in John 6, Jesus, when the disciples said, this is a hard saying. Jesus, I look at the Sermon on the Mount, and particularly you're inviting us to step into the nature of God by loving those who willfully attack us And I'm just going to say right now, this is a hard saying. But would you, by the help of your Holy Spirit, invite us into grace and empower us by your Spirit and change paradigms that need to be changed? And in so doing, change us, transform us so that we are more like Jesus. And we ask that you would do it today by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, I want to just give a couple of pastoral nuances to this because... If we're not careful, like any part of Scripture, some of these verses can be utilized as weapons. And these, some of these verses may have been weaponized against some of you. And if that's the case, I just want to, I want to tread very softly and I want to tread very tenderly this morning. And I want to say I'm sorry for any way that the Word of God has been weaponized against you to hurt you to oppress you, to ostracize you, to steal your voice or to steal your power because that's not what the word of God has come to do. In fact, quite the opposite. The word of God has come to liberate, to strengthen, and to empower us to live the Christ life. That's why God has given us his word. So let's look a little bit more deeply here, and I'm going to try to do this in about five to seven. You've heard that it was said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. I tell you, do not resist an evil person. So we have to tether this to the context, which the context here very simply is the final verses of the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus is clearly speaking about a type of enemy like what the Jewish people were encountering in the Romans, right? Remember, the nation of Israel was a small, tiny nation that was oppressed by Rome. And I'm not saying oppressed in a, in a cultural sense of the term. Like, these people were literally subservient to the empire of Rome. They belonged to Rome. And Rome had their way with them. They stripped them of their rights. They stripped them of their power. And so Jesus is speaking to a people that are not just in exile. Here He's speaking to what does the kingdom of God, what does the nature of the kingdom of God look like to a people that have been promised power and deliverance and salvation through a Messiah, but in the meantime, they're living underneath and within wicked and corrupt power structures. How do we reconcile this? And Jesus is saying, he's, he's clearly identifying people are going to wrong you. So I think that's, that's step one, as we recognize and realize as believers of Jesus, choosing the way of the Beatitudes, choosing all those verses we just read in Matthew 5, 3 through 8, 
will invite its own form of persecution. Because it is so upside down and countercultural to the way of the world. And people will not understand it. And to the degree, listen, to the degree that we increase our allegiance to the kingship and the lordship of Jesus in a spirit of meekness and humility, it will invite its own type of persecution. And people will attempt to take advantage of that. And listen, they will take advantage of that. They will take advantage of a posture that attempts to look like Jesus. Remember, our entire religious system is based on a man who laid his life down unjustly to be murdered. Are, Are you hearing me today? So we have to be careful when the very real and natural and understandable feeling wells up with inside of us that I'm sick and tired of being the puppet to society and I'm sick and tired of having all my rights stripped from me and I'm, I'm sick and tired of, uh, yes, I get that. What do we do with that? We love our enemies. I know, I know, I know. This stinks. It does. It does. And yet, this is Jesus. This, whether you knew it or not, this is what we signed up for. We signed up to willingly lay down our rights, to walk in the way of Jesus, and trust that in so doing, something of the kingdom of God is being invested into that moment or that relationship or that power structure. Something is being dropped like a seed that dies. Something is being dropped into that moment that is bigger than us, that opens up a door for God's power to be at work and do things that in our anger and in our vengeance and in our witty post and I'll show you, click. Like, that is not accomplishing the life of God. No, I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just bring it home. Like when Christy and I, we get tangled up, and I'm just like, oh, yeah, fine. I'm going to snap back and clap back, and I like throw all these, you know, man, but I showed you. And that's also cold in the guest room. There ain't no life in that. No reconciliation in that. But what I do want to say here is that This is not a license, and I want to speak specifically to to the marriage relationship. This is not a license for men in particular, but even men or women, to be abusive. This is not a license to be abusive. And what what I don't think that God is saying, and this is is the tough task, guys. I'm trying really hard to hold this intention. I, I, I do believe that God has sent us to be salt and light into every arena of the world. Government, schools, first responders. I mean, you name it, every segment of society. Some of you may have a paradigm where you call that the seven mountains, and I've taught extensively on that for years and believe in most of it. But the way in which we leaven these places with the kingdom the way, it's all about the spirit and the heart and the manner in which we represent and quote unquote bring the kingdom of God to bear in those spaces. Is this, is this making any sense? All right, let's, let's just read down here in verse 41 or verse 43. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies. This is a hard word. Because I don't love my enemies, naturally. Naturally. Nobody does. Who loves people who are against us? Who are actually working towards our demise? It's not natural to love that. This is how we know that Christianity is the real deal. Because there is no other religious system on the planet that says, if you're really going to be my followers... The way that we're going to authenticate that is that you are going to treat 
your enemies the way I treated your enemies. And that is with grace and mercy and kindness and love and patience and persistence. And God will sort everything out in the end. He will. He will make all things right in the end. And I know that there are certain segments and certain streams within Christianity that you've got to be really careful, friends, that if there's any stream within Christianity that gives you license to give full expression to your very understandable anger and rage, it's not from God. Whether that be in this age or in the age to come, I take no delight and a doctrinal belief that God's going to come and just pulverize people. I take no delight in that. And I'm still trying to sift all that out in, in myself. I'm on this journey. But I can tell you that God takes no delight. Whether you want to have a punishment mentality or a punishment paradigm or what, you, you know, whether it's excusable or justifiable because now, you know, we're in heaven and we're going to reserve that to the end and God's going to, like, God takes no delight when any human being perishes or is punished. He takes no delight in that. So you have to be careful about the belief systems that that you give license to grow in your heart. And I think, and I want to, I think that we've heard a lot of church people because of some of these insidious notions that allow power structures and that allow punishment paradigms within the church. I think we've hurt people. And consequently, I think the lost don't trust us. You got to be careful. We got to be humble with this. Let's at least just say, God, teach us. Help us walk through this. So here's what I want us to do. Jonathan, if you would come forward, we're going to pray. I want to give you a couple of thoughts here. When Jesus invites us to pray for our enemies, I don't think, and I'd like to submit this to you, I don't think that Jesus is saying that I'm giving you license and permission and authority and power to manipulate the situation to be what you want it to be. That's not, I, don't, I don't think that's what Jesus is saying here. Is that clear what I'm saying? And friends, this is on, I mean, there is a way which you could even view your spouse as an enemy. I don't necessarily think that's what Jesus is speaking of here. I think he's speaking of people that are literally blinded in their worldview and they're blinded in their hearts and their minds and they are against God. And because you are people of God, then they find themselves being against you and they slander and they misrepresent and they falsely accuse and they betray and they malign and they feel they're totally justified in doing it. What they don't realize and what we need to realize is that we don't war against flesh and blood. It's very clear to the Lord. He's like, listen, I've never given you license to pray against anyone. I've given you power to pray for them and pray against demonic principalities. That's, 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 That's the distinction right there. You pray against every demonic spirit that's tormenting them and you pray for them. You pray for them. Remember what Jesus said as he's hanging on the cross. Last thing he says, he's like, Lord, they have no idea what they're doing. They don't even know. They think they know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. And so have mercy on them. You know what he was doing? He was modeling Matthew 5. He was modeling that for us. God, have mercy on them. I pray mercy. I pray wisdom. I pray judgment. I pray compassion. The other day, Christian and I were taking a walk through a store, and there was a person there that was very, very clearly confused on what God created them to be. I'll say that delicately. And they were in that, they were in this transition phase. And I just, my heart was so grieved. My heart was so grieved to imagine what it must be like to be at war constantly within yourself and to despise for whatever reason 
for whatever reason, molestation, abuse, rejection as a child, who knows? Like this notion of if you're going to be a man that you've got to be strong and be able to play football and you know, you've got to be a lumberjack and all these things. Like that, that's, what a man, that, that's what a man is. That is, not, that is not how God defines manhood. And now what we've done is we have a generation of young men who are saying, well, I can never be that. And now they're at war with themselves. Where, where am I going with this? That person's not my enemy. Now do, now, do I believe that principalities want to co-opt that confusion and propagate that systemically in the earth? With the, I do believe that. But I pray against that. I pray against, like, listen, these are merciless powers that want to, the enemy always wants to take advantage of your, weaken, your weakness and your brokenness. And he wants to use it to strengthen his own cause. That's the enemy. But these people, even the angry ones, church, listen to me. Even the loudest and the angriest ones, they're victims. They're victims. They know not what they do. They're, they're at torment with themselves. And if you engage with that battle, playing the same rules, heaven will never win. Those of you I've asked to come help me pray this morning, if, if you would just kind of just come line up right here. We do not use prayer as a form of manipulation or control. This is witchcraft. We do not pray for a change that only benefits us. We do not pray against our enemies. We pray for our enemies. We pray for the will of God. As I was meditating on these scriptures, here's what hit me, church. And I, honestly, I went way too long. We don't need another message. We don't need another message. It's very clear. God says, you want to be my son and daughter? Love my enemies with me. And love them for me. And watch the reconciling power of the beauty and the love of the kingdom of God come to the earth. That's why you're here. That's what salt and light looks like. And so I reached out to some mature friends of mine. I said, will you help me pray into this? And now we're going to turn this service into a prayer meeting. And I'm going to ask that you help me pray. So don't just sit back and watch these guys. Okay, let's, let's shift gears here. Let's posture our hearts. And we're going to become a people that look like God by praying today. For our, Let's activate this word. Sarah, lead us off. I'm going to pray some things I felt like the Holy Spirit put in my heart this morning. Join me if you can. God, we pray for those who have yet to have revelation of your goodness and love, Lord. Those who Amber prayed for earlier, that's the Aaron mentioned, or the have yet to know, Lord, who you are. I pray for those who are trapped by the lies about your character and whose actions are manifesting their pain towards God, towards you, and towards those who represent you and those of us who are trying to represent you well, Lord God, I pray that you would give us a compassion towards their pain, God, and that you would help us to lay aside that fruitless ammunition that Jade was talking about, Lord God, and that you would, that, that ammunition that would make us want to ignore the stories and the true cries that are in the hearts of those, Lord, who need you so desperately and who are hurting, Lord. I pray that you would help us to carry the person of peace and the love and love into the wars that they may intentionally or unintentionally produce God. I pray that you would give us the wisdom to get behind the concerns of Jesus Christ and not the concerns of man. God, I pray you would hear us as we pray for them this morning. I want to pray about betrayal. Father, you know the greatest hurts and pain is betrayal. Lord, the ones we trusted, the ones close to us that have accused and hurt us. I specifically want to lift up those that are stuck, that have tried, that have prayed the scripture. Lord, today we surrender this, this hurt that we feel justified, that really hurt the truth. We surrender it to the one that was betrayed himself to obey your word to love our enemies. Heal us, O oh Lord. We are broken. 
We ourselves have hurt others. We forget that sometimes. Jesus says they do not know what they are doing, like Pastor Jade had said. Lord, we choose to bless our enemies. How else do we love but blessing? We bless their walk with you, Lord. We bless their families, Lord. We bless their ministries, Lord. Show them the way, Lord. May your perfect will be done, Lord. And Lord, give us the grace to risk again. Lord, there's many that come to church, and, but they don't risk in relationship again. Lord, we just speak grace over them. I needed grace over this. That we can trust again, Lord Jesus, because that's where our healing is complete. Open those doors in Jesus' name. Father, we lift up those who have insulted, harmed, gossiped, used your name to power over, manipulate, and control. God, they abused your name. God, I lift them up and ask that you forgive them. Forgive us. Oh, God, forgive me. For I, too, have been that enemy. God, forgive us and those that have used the giftings that you have given to hurt, to take advantage of, and to feed our own flesh, God, forgive us. Today as we pray for those that we may call our enemies, God, remind us how quickly we become your enemy. how we were your enemy and yet you reconciled us to you. May we be reconciled to each other, oh God. May we be reconciled to you, all of us, God, and to each other. For you have reconciled all flesh, all flesh, that no one is beyond your touch, no one is beyond your healing. No one is beyond forgiveness and reconciliation, God. Remind us, God, who we are and you. And as we pray, Jesus, that you would have mercy on them. Have mercy on us. Forgive them and forgive us, oh God. Hear our prayer, Jesus. Lord, forgive me for when I've found even a small amount of pleasure when hardship has fallen on someone that I'm not a fan of. Whether it be someone right here in my own church body, a family member, a work associate, someone I don't even really know. Your word says that you cause the sun to shine and the rain to fall on both the righteous and the unrighteous and the sun to rise on both the good and the evil alike. Forgive me for categorizing people, for judging people, and for not striving to see people as you see them. Your word says that you desire that all people, that you desire all people be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. It is not my job to judge who is righteous and who is not, to evaluate who is deserving of good and who is not, to have made up my mind on who should be blessed and who shouldn't. Forgive me, God. Change my heart. Holy Spirit, please show me where I hold on to unforgiveness, where I hold on to judgment, where I hold on to self-righteousness. This is the exact same attitude the Pharisees had, and you were so quick to call them out on it. If I'm going to be able to effectively pray for the person who persecutes me and love my enemy, I have to have the right heart condition. I can't do that from a place of judgment and unforgiveness and envy and selfishness and anger. I need you to change my heart, God. I need you to wash away the ugliness. I need you to wash away the jealousy. I need you to wash away the self-righteousness and the anger and the envy. I need you to cleanse me of these things, God. I repent, Holy Spirit. I make you available to every nook and cranny, hidden place in me to cleanse that out of me. Thank you, God, for your grace and mercy. Forgive me for not demonstrating and walking in the grace and mercy that you've shown me.
God, make us a generous people. God, make us a people that are where generosity invades every aspect of who and what we are. Show us how to be a people that gives our best without holding anything in reserve or holding anything back. God, make us into a people like Joseph who bettered the jail cell that he was trapped in, God. He, he, he was vulnerable, God. Joseph was vulnerable to attack, to exposure. God, let us be a people that are vulnerable, God. Uh, we, uh, we make us a people that expose ourselves to risk and who we deal with and how we deal with them. God, we can trust in your protection. God, when we hold back, we're not trusting in you. God, we don't trust in man's protection, in, in government protection, in any man's system, but we trust in your protection, in your righteousness, God. Make us a vulnerable people that are generous with everything we have. In Jesus' name. Lord God, we pray for the people who think the worst of us, Lord. Lord, they think the worst of our intentions, and they consequently actively undermine us, Lord. Lord God, we pray for them. Teach us how to pray for them, Lord, and how to truly love them, Lord God. God, would you smile on them today? Lord God, show them your love in a tangible way. Lord God, help me to smile even when I'm thinking of them instead of scowling at them internally, Lord. Help me to smile, to see them with your eyes, to see them in the light that you see them, Lord. God, I pray that they would feel heard and understood. Lord God, that they would feel loved today. God, help me to care more about them than about me being right or about proving them wrong or proving my point. God, they are more important. Help me to love them. And God, bring healing to the wounds that may have held them back, Lord, that have made them question their value, Lord. God, help me to see past the hurt and appreciate them for who they are and not, and not judge them for what they think of me. Lord God, encourage and inspire them today. Put wind in their sails, Lord. God, I especially ask that you would cause their relationship with you to be drawn deeper. God, to be drawn closer today. Lord, hear our prayer. Lord, forgive us for identifying people as our enemies. Lord, they are your creation and your people. Forgive us for taking up battles and shields and swords that you never called us to pick up. In the moments where we needed shielding, you were and you are our shield. You are our defender, so we don't need to defend ourselves. Lord, give us your eyes to see people as you see them, apart from our judgments, shame, and hurt. May we not think that our judgments of people are truth. But instead, when you give us insight, it is completely saturated in your grace and your mercy. Lord, may our hearts break with you for those who have hurt us. And yet use us as Hosea pursued Gomer. May we see the beauty, intentionality, and uniqueness in each person you create. May we take these challenges against us as a chance to look more inward and see the work that you're inviting us into. May those that seem to be coming against us better reveal to us what's going on within us and help us to see the lies that we're holding on to, assumptions that we're making, and the fights that we're picking as indicators of our greater need for you. Lord, even on the cross, you asked the Father to forgive those who crucified you because they didn't know what they were doing. Lord, we need that forgiveness because we don't know what we've done. Forgive us where our stances, attitudes, and beliefs started the very fight that we were wounded by. Forgive us for putting labels and identities on your children, any other label other than your beloved. These are your people. They are your creation. You designed and crafted them with so much intentionality that we can't even imagine. Forgive us for not honoring your creation. Forgive us for taking offense when we were the ones who lacked understanding. 
Forgive us for thinking that our understanding and thoughts were yours. Lord, we ask for your wisdom as we surrender our perceptions and ideas of how things should be. Forgive us for trying to get people to change through more shame. Help us to have fresh eyes, your eyes for those who have hurt us. Lord, lead us as we, lean, as we learn to give grace and mercy. We need your wisdom with how to move forward in these relationships. Lord, we ask for your divine counsel to know where to have boundaries for safety, yet softness in our hearts as we pray your best for others. Lord, help us to surrender ideas and agendas for others and instead trust your work in their lives. You love each person more than we ever, ever could. Help us to partner with what you are already doing, how you are leading and in your ways and in your timeline. Hallelujah. Father, I want to thank you for forgiving us of all of our iniquities, our sins, and our transgressions. Father, you have loved us even when we didn't love you. Father, I'm asking for the same for those who have not loved us, who have despitefully used us, talked about us, lied on us, mistreated us, persecuted us. Father, I'm asking you to teach us how to love our enemies well. Teach us, God, your ways that we may demonstrate your character, your nature, your heart. And, Lord God, we desire to have a change of heart. Father, your word declares that if it be possible that we can live peaceably with all men. If it be possible, Father, teach us how to live peaceably with all men. May we not repay evil for evil, vengeance for vengeance. God, you said that you will repay. So, Father, we want to trust you in this. And, Father, I ask, dear Lord, that we become perfect as you are perfect. Lord God, flow through us, God, and teach us how to reset our minds, reset our hearts, reset our passions, reset our focus and our vision on how we see people, your people, because they're made in your image, God. They're made in your image, Father, and our fight is not against them. The battle is yours, God. The war is yours. And we want to lean and depend upon you, God, and teaching us and training us how to reset our hearts. So, Lord God, allow the packets and the downloads of your activation, God, that you have placed inside of us to come out of us, God, through love, through your peace, through your, Lord God, on how you are leading us and guiding us. We want to just depend on you in this love for our enemies. In Jesus' name. Father, I want to pray for those who have intentionally and viciously persecuted your church. Even more than we realize in the nations of the earth. God, those in Asia, in the Middle East, in Africa, in South America, Lord, all the nations, God. Those who belong to either religious groups or political groups that God are so blinded that they have set fire to churches, that they have imprisoned pastors and believers, that they have shut down the hand of goodness to the poor, all because they bear the name of Christ. God, those who oppress your children around the world, God, they don't know what they're doing. They're so blinded. God, would you come and would you free them of their blindness, God? God, just like you met Paul on the road to Damascus, God, would you give them Damascus moments, Lord, where you show up to them and you pour out your love and you break off the blinders and you open their eyes and you set them free and you bring them into the family, God. Would you do that? God, would you do that in the radical Hindus, God, would you do that in the radical Islam, God, in the radical Buddhists, God, in the radical religious and political groups, Lord, that want to shut you down, God, would you pour out your goodness on them? Would you pour out your love on them? Would you heal them so that they can see you? God, would you touch the brokenness of their heart? Would you heal their bodies? God, would you reveal and bring a revelation of your love and forgiveness, Father, so that, God, not that they would just stop persecuting, but, God, they'd know you. So they would know you the way we know you. So they'd be reconciled back to you, Father. You want them reconciled back to you so badly. So would you forgive them? Would you have mercy? 
Would you meet them right where they're at, God, in the way that they can find you? In the name of Jesus, pour out your love and your mercy. Amen. Drew, could you find Romans chapter 5, verse 8? Romans 5, verse 8. I want to invite you all to stand. We're going to come to the table. Can't think of any better way to end this than to come to the picture of reconciliation that Jesus has given. We're going to read the scripture. I'm going to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with you. Our altar workers are going to come. They're going to minister the table to you. We're going to pray the prayer of confession. And friends, you can, whenever you're set, you guys can come. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, hear the word of the Lord, church. But God, he demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, and you can put enemies. While we were still enemies, Christ died for us. I don't know how to make the gospel clearer to you. God created humanity out of the overflow of his love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He gave us freedom. He gave us beauty. He gave us blessing. He gave us identity. He gave us authority, and he gave us the ability to choose. And we took all of those things, and we chose us. We did not choose him. We chose our way. We chose our freedom. We chose our version of authority and our version of beauty and our version of power, and we, re, we, we rebelled against the goodness of God. And when we did that, we opened the door to this virus called sin that has come and has ravaged all of humanity and all of the created order. And we made ourselves enemies with God. We did that. That's the human story. But thank God the God story trumps the human story. Because when God could have said, when God could have got hurt and offended and said, fine, if you don't want anything to do with me, I don't want anything to do with you. That's not his posture. He says, I'm going to come after you and I'm going to wait for you and I'm going to make, I'm going to make a way available for you that every good thing that I started this story with, we're going to get back to that and then some. And the only way he could do that is to send his son. Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, came. Perfect representation of the Father, fully God, fully man. Lived a sinless life and at the hands of sinful men and women, he was put to death, unjustly executed on a cross. The scriptures tell us that when he did that, he who knew no sin, he became sin for us so that we might be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is the good news of our story. When you look around in this room, we're a company of jacked up, messed up, beautiful, broken, redeemed people. That's who we are. We have become sons and daughters of the living God because of what the Son did for us. And friends, if you're here today and you would say, what do I do with this? It's very simple. You just say, number one, God, thank you. Wow. Number two, say, God, I'm sorry. I've made a mess of this. And then number three, you just say, God, help me. Say, I want to be a part of your family and everything that you've made available for me to live in your family and function in your family. I, I, I want that. I say yes to you. So if you're telling me, Lord, the door is open to come back to the family table, I say yes. That's called confession. And that's called repentance, yeah. right? So if that's where you're at, I just want to take 30 seconds to maybe 60 seconds and give you an opportunity. And I can, I can give you a way to do this very simply. So just pray this together. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have made a way for me to come back in the family. I'm so sorry for the way I've offended you with my sinful life. I receive your forgiveness and I enter in. Fill me with your spirit and save me in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, let's read this together as we come to the table. Most 
Merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. And friends, based on the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, it's my great honor to tell you today your sins have been forgiven. Receive the grace and the mercy of God. This is an open table at New Life Midtown. You can exit your rows to the left. Come receive the body, receive the blood, take it back to your seats, and we will all eat and drink together. Welcome.